Well, hello from A Voice in the Distance Ministries, and today we're going into Leviticus chapter 4. And we're going into now, as we've been looking at particular offerings, uh, these were offerings that, that the people were required to give to the Lord in certain different aspects. And last week we looked at the peace offering, and it's always, it's always, um, pleasant, if you will, to to hear that word peace and then the offering. And today we're going to be looking at, well, the sin offering. And so it's kind of an interesting order on how um, how this was written and how God placed all of this, because we kind of go back and forth from, you know, pleasant to harsh and, and so on and so forth. But you see, God God is amazing if you think about how he does things. Have you ever been at odds with somebody before? And there's just somebody out there, you know, they just, gosh, you do the slightest little thing to them and, and they will not forgive you. <laughs> and you ask them, what can I do to make this right with you? I want to do everything I can to make it right. Nope, you know, I don't want nothing to do with you. You know, you, you wronged me once and that's it. And, and, and yet those people, you know, they, they'll wrong somebody too. And I, I don't know what they expect, but but God expects something from all of us. He gave us he gave us a way to make things right with him and he gave us a way to make things right with one another. Because that's what's going to happen. So we have to go back. I want to venture back to the beginning of time of why this all happened. You know, when God created everything, when he created the earth and when Adam and Eve were on the scene, everything was perfect. There was no sin, there was no issue on earth. And then Satan shows up in the form of a serpent. And this this serpent was attractive. It was able to talk, and he he ends up finding Eve by herself. We don't know where Adam Adam was doing something. Eve was by herself, so the serpent has a conversation. And he knew that there was a particular tree there that they weren't supposed to eat from. And what does he do? He tempts he tempts Eve to to go ahead and eat from that tree. Because Eve was told they were not to touch it. Adam and Eve were told not to touch it. And when the serpent questioned it, she said rightly at first, we are we can eat from any tree but that one. Well, then, of course, Satan questions God and, and, and says, did he really say you couldn't eat from this tree? Is this really true? Well, Eve, it made Eve think about what Satan said. See, and that's what people, that's what we do when we fall into sin. We're thinking about something that the enemy has put in our minds or our hearts, you know. This is in our nature. And if you were to go back on the website, from the, from when I first taught Genesis, I have a, um, I have a chapter in Genesis which was called Darkness in Our DNA. And that really probably explains a lot of, um, a lot of what I'm talking about a little more in depth. But that's where it all began. So, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. God came and dealt with it. But he didn't, he didn't just deal with it, he fixed it too. Now, because they were naked, for some reason, you know, after, after they'd eaten this fruit, they had seen that they were naked and were ashamed by it when they weren't before. Everything was fine before. 
So what do they do? They take some fig leaves and they cover themselves with fig leaves. And I was thinking to myself, because I was cleaning up some fig leaves not too long ago, and I was holding these fig leaves and I thought to myself, my gosh, what were they thinking? Because these leaves itch and they're rough and they're uncomfortable. So God basically had sacrificed an animal and he created a form of clothing out of their skin. Now, check this out. Now, the, the interesting thing was is that what he created for them covered them. And not only did they not only did it cover them, it was actually more comfortable than what it was that they chose to wear in the form of a fig leaf. It was more permanent in what they chose to wear to wear as a fig leaf. It was more durable. So when we look at Leviticus, God was giving God was giving the people at the time a way to make things right that was durable. He was making he was making things right with the people, or how to make things right with him and, and with one another through these instructions. It started from that beginning of time. And so God says, Well, I'm gonna give you the instruction on what what to do. You know, because again, that's why we have doctrine, if you think about it. We have doctrine because man fell. So we're going to take a look at what the sin offering is. And we look at the word sin. The, the word sin really just means to miss the mark. Okay? The, the Lord in his ways is the bullseye if you've ever gone shooting. And sometimes people get really happy when they get close. But, it, you know, if, if you don't hit the bullseye, your target was irrelevant. And so... God's giving us the ability to hit the bullseye, but if we don't, he's giving us a remedy. Okay? Because he knows that, he knows of our nature. And he knows what, what we do and what we, and what happens to us. So he gives us a remedy, but he, he gives us a, he doesn't give us just a remedy. He gives us preventative medication, and he gives us a remedy medication when we fall, because God is good all the time. And so let's take a look here because this this particular offering is is very interesting. There's quite a bit, and I'm going to start reading, and I'm going to read a big section from verse one to twelve to start us out. And verse one to twelve says, "Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sits unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which ought to, not to be done and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. And he shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. And then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take it, take from it all the fat of the bull as the sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. As it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering and, and the, the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. But the bull's hide and all its flesh with its head and legs and its entrails and, and offal. 
The whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out, and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out of it, it all shall be burned. So we're looking at what's interesting is unintentional sin. And the remedy for it was definitely less of an expensive in that of a sacrifice. You know, we can relate. If, if you think about it, if you think about it, little ones, I'm talking about children, do things unknowingly. And, and we as parents are not happy with it when it happens. But when they know better and, and do it without care, now we're boiling inside a little more. It's like saying, yes, I knew it was wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And by that, we are dealing with levels of consequence, right? So, so God gives particular sacrifices for particular sins. Uh, I'd like to prefer to it as calling it our modern day saying of the punishment fitting the crime. If you get a ticket for speeding and the judge gives you 30 years in prison, now that wouldn't make sense, right? Well, see, God is just in all that he does. He, observing closely what was told to Moses shows the perfection of God as a lawmaker. Now, I remember an executive once saying, um, in a company I used to work for, he was an executive, he said that, uh, he referred to himself, he says, I'm, I'm tough but I'm fair. Well, that is, that is a subjective statement. But God is objective in his perfection in all things, whether it be in law, or mercy given. And God addresses the priest, right? Because even the priest, they're not perfect. But the standard is higher. You look at James, the author of the book of James. He said that some of you should not presume to be teachers because you will be judged more harsh. Because the, the, the priest was not just a teacher from the form of a text, but also in the form of everyday life. On how one lives and, and walks on a daily basis. Sin separates from God. So for the priests, they themselves had to do things differently by putting it on, by putting it on the veil of the sanctuary. And a bull was to be used, okay? Typically the most expensive animals to be used in sacrifices was the bull. And as always, the best was offered up to God. And, and the parts that could not be offered up were burned outside the camp. I mentioned before that when something was sacrificed by someone, portions were given to the priests. They would eat of the meat, and it would go to, and it would go to, uh, it would not go to waste. But, but if it, if it were the priest, right, that, that sacrificed, if the priest sacrificed for something they did, they could not eat of it. It, it was their sacrifice at their cost and, and was not to eat of it as an offering from his own sin sacrifice. Now, we look at unintentional sin and realize that we as followers of God can fall into sin versus one who blatantly walks in sin. We, we have to keep in mind that this was to teach and instruct to guide. Parents warn their children of bad things. People, bad people, never talk to strangers. If someone says, come with them or take this from them, do not, do not do that. They, they, they would say they're doing right, right? The parents telling of their children, you're doing right by saying these things. Well, well, God is doing just that as well, making everyone aware of the sins around, or, or of the sins in their life. See, preventing of sin is vital. 
But what we're seeing is the prescription for whatever sickness one develops. Some need aspirin. Others may need antibiotics, depending on what they have suffered. So uh, let's go ahead and continue here. So we're going to look at uh, 13 to 21. Now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and are guilty, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin, and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. Then, then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip his finger in any of the blood, sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. And he shall do that with the bull as he did with the bull as the sin offering. Thus he shall do with it, so the, Lord, uh, so the priest shall make atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as if he burned the first bull. It is a sin offering for the assembly. So this is also for the assembly. The whole congregation of Israel, if they sin un unintentionally. A very, very similar procedure. Um, you know, as the sin offering on behalf of the priest, but except the, you know, the elders of the congregation would, they would lay their hands on the head of the bull, which would be a representation for the nation. Okay, so, so, you know, with the congregation sin, that, that's what they would do. And that's why I said earlier, you know, it said, you know, about James saying, don't let, you know, don't presume to be, you know, some of you should not presume to be teachers, you know, because of this harsh judgment that you're going to see on you uh, for that that happens. Nobody is without sin. Okay? Being a leader does not make you perfect. But the standard is higher. Nations sin. And so, sometimes we become a part of a culture. And, and that's what happens at times. Nations develop things, and, and that's why, see, that's why God developed books like Leviticus, and that's why he developed the laws, because of what the paganistic nations beside Israel were doing. That's why we're seeing a lot of the things why we're seeing. Okay, because th this was something that they were to be set apart from. And so... To, uh, to explain a little bit on why God, uh, you know, would, would have them do something in, in the form of, of numeral uh, senses, you know, the, the, the blood would be sprinkled seven times before the Lord, okay? Now, seven was always a number of perfection, okay? So, um, we, we go back to the time of when God made the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested, which was the number of completion or perfection, when God said, when God said it was, when He said it was finished, or when the, when His creation was finished, He said it was good. And when we look at the word "good" in the biblical sense, "good" in regards to God is perfection, because when God created the earth, it was good. 
when when God created Adam and Eve, it was good. They were good. There was no there was nothing wrong. It was there was perfection involved. So we take a look at this, and so we see this, these numbers being used in certain aspects. Do it, do it seven times because it's a number of completion, perfection. And so when the offering is completed, it is said that the atonement is made, and the sin shall be forgiven. Okay, because this promise of remission was founded upon the atonement. It's spoken here of the forgiveness of the sin of the whole congregation. And that is to, turning away from the, those nations, you know, those national, national things that people were doing where sin was deserved, okay? Now let's take a look. Now what's interesting here is I want to give an, uh, an example of uh, the little island that, that, that we know as Madagascar. And they have a very interesting ritual that they do every so many years. I can't remember how many years it is, <clears throat> whether it's eight years or so. Every eight years, they dig up their dead relatives from their graves, and they dance with them in a big celebration. And, and that's something that they do in Madagascar. Is they literally will dig up their relatives from their graves, and, and, they will, and they will dance around with them. Now, what was happening with that was, when they were doing that, the nation in itself, the people were getting stricken with diseases. Well, see, God gives... God gives the uh, gives the law back in this time during Leviticus that you are not to touch a dead body. Well, we see why. Okay, there's uncleanliness outside of the spiritual realm. It's also in the physical realm. And so the nation started to say, started to plead with the people to stop doing this ritual because because of the sicknesses that they're that they're bringing upon their their own people. And so that's what God was doing here, was in the form of a prevention. Stop doing that. Stop, stop doing these things because you're going to, you're going to bring calamity upon yourself. And whether it be spiritual, physical, or all the above, it's coming your way. So he's giving the preventative nature. He's giving us the way to, giving them the way to fix things when they, uh, when they fall. And the nation of Madagascar realized what they were doing. And realize, like, hey, this isn't good. We need to stop. But not everybody listens. So God help us to, to pay close attention to what the Lord tells us to do. Amen? <laughs> Let's take another look here in the continuing chapters. Or, I mean, in the continuing verses of 22 to 26. And it says, When a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of his commandment, any of the commandments of the Lord his God is in anything which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sins which he has committed comes to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of, of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it at the place where they, uh, where they killed the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering his, um, with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering and he shall burn all its fat on the altar like the fat of the sacrifices of the peace offering so the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin and it shall be forgiven him now this is for the rulers because let's face it rulers sin too <laughs> the procedure was similar right I mean again Distinct from the offering, but the, for, uh, for a priest or the nation, 
But this uh, sacrifice was again a male goat. And the blood was applied to the altar and the fat was burned on the altar. Just, just like the peace offering was. Very similar. Very similar in that aspect. You know, if you've ever read the whole Bible, and if you've observed the life of leaders, again, no one was, no one was without sin. Now, I'll use the example of, of kings, you know, because uh, there was a time when, uh, when Israel developed a nation where, their nation where they were ruled by a kingship. And you had no, you had the northern uh, the northern side of Israel, and you had the southern side of Judah, and they each had their own kings. And each side, within a four hundred and some year period, four hundred and eighty years, I believe, being ran by kings, each side had twenty kings. Now, on the northern side, not one of their kings was good. <laughs> none of them over the over the period, none of none of them were good. The southern side of Judah had 20 kings, and only 8 of the 20 were good out of, out of all of them. So a little less than half of the southern kingdom had good kings. And, and so we look at these things as the perfect example of God knew what was what. God knew what to do. No one was without, without, without any form of approach or without falling. But it's always harder... It's always harder when when a leader falls. It's always more of a sting when a leader falls. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine what King David felt when when the prophet Nathan exposed everything he did by by taking by taking one of his soldiers, his most loyal, loyal soldiers, taking his wife for a one night stand, having a child with this wife of his, and then sending him out to bat in battle to be killed to cover the whole thing up. And when he, and when that was revealed to him, my gosh, you know, I couldn't imagine what David felt because David was the king. He was the man who sought after God's own heart. And when you when you're one who who who's, who seeks after God's own heart it should affect you a little more it should do something to you and and really if you think about it that's a good thing it really should do something to you because that's not what that's not how we should live if we sin and have no problem with it we're in trouble and and so to to live during these times would have been very interesting because I would think to myself, like, my gosh, I think I'd be broke, <laughs> you know. I mean, if I had to, if I had to uh, do these particular sacrifices, I, I'd be broke. I, I couldn't afford it. So thank God for the death of Christ on the cross. Read this and be glad for where we're at today. But look at the. I, I say, look at these things because this is God's way. This was God's way of doing things with his people at the time. But we see how the transition transferred over to Christ, but in a more sufficient way. Now, we're going to be looking real quick to finish this off in 27 to 35. It said, now, if any, if any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything, anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which is committed. 
And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its uh, blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar, the burnt offering, and pour it on the remaining blood at the base of the altar. And he shall remove all its fat, and its fats removed from the sacrifice, the peace offering, and the, the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb and his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hands... Um, on the head of the sin offering and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. And he shall remove all of its fat. As the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made uh, by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed, and it shall be forgiven of him. Now, it's interesting again to see where, you know, it says the common people, because again, there was that level. Now, regardless of somebody's position, you are a person with a sin nature. It don't matter who you are or what your position is. But when you're in that position, there was a level, there was a level to be paid, if you will. Okay, you know, the, the common people could offer, in this particular case, a female, but it had to be without blemish. You know, and, and the rulers had to offer a male. And so, or maybe something of a little more, uh, of a little more cost again. And so it's interesting to see this because, you know, again, God's, God said that, you know, that in your position, if you will, there is accountability. And we look at this word atonement. And the, the Hebrew word for atonement means to cover. All right. You ever gone to a restaurant before and you forget your wallet and 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 some nice uh, person at another table sees that and and pays your bill. They covered you. That's what Christ did. Jesus paid your bill because you forgot your wallet. But he did it in a much more serious sense because you committed a major felony against God. A major felony in the form of disobedience. Now, I'm speaking to older people most likely, if you're listening to this, because I don't think any uh, young people will be listening to this book of Leviticus on a voice in the distance. I, I hope they would, but uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the, anybody who's listening to this is older. Okay, so if you are older, if you are of an age of accountability, then you have done it... You have done it knowingly, if you will. But, what God did for us 2,000 years ago covered everything. Our atonement was covered once and for all 2,000 years ago. Because the value of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus was the true sin offering whose blood that cleansed everything from all sin. All right. If we were to, if we were to attempt to do this now, in the form of of, of a bull or a goat, and, and if we were to, to to attempt to do something like this now, it wouldn't do us any good. 
And again, the, the, the Jews in Israel do, do not practice this no more. There is no temple for the sacrifices. So as I, as I said in the previous message, that in their outlook of atonement, it's, it's asking for forgiveness and doing good deeds. Now, Christ already did it all. You know, right? We are already covered when we ask for forgiveness of, of sins. He forgives us of those sins. If we want to do a good deed, we do that for the sake of our love for the Lord. Because, again, depending on what we've done, you know, by, by attempting to do a deed for it would be an insult, considering what he did for us, thinking that we could add to it. Oh, you know, it'd be like saying, oh, gosh, you know, I don't think that's enough. I need to do something more on top of what Jesus did. That, that's an insult to what he did. He says, I have you covered. But when you repent with a, with a true and contrite heart, when you repent in truth, and he sees that, then you are covered. Your atonement is covered. And the Bible says that your, your sins are forgiven, and not only forgiven, but they're forgotten. See, in this case, this was a temporary. We're looking at the times of temporary. Because you would have to do it again. And then every year, you know, you would have to do, you know, the, 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 sin, the sin cleansing every year. The priest would have to go and do that, you know, in the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain of the tabernacle. And then one day in the temple, once a year for the atonement of Israel. It's been done. And so if you're listening to this... And you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, I don't, you don't know what I've done. And, and I'm like, I don't need to know what you've done. Christ knows what you did. And he's saying that, come to me, you will be forgiven. And if you come to me and ask, it will be forgiven. If you come and receive me, I will receive you. So I want to give that opportunity. I want to give that opportunity right now to come to him and to say, I want to be a part of the Lord. I want to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven and one day and, and to be with my Lord in heaven. And, and may you want to serve him while you're here too because I'm telling you right now, it's the greatest work that you'll ever do. Everything that we do on a normal basis fades away. Our days go by quick. But when you're serving the Lord, it makes the day a little more fulfilled. It makes it a lot more fulfilled. Because when you come home from work, and then you know, and then and then the weekends come, and you're thinking like, I got to do this all over again. It's clockwork, clockwork. But serving the Lord is never forgotten by Him, and it's and it is always one of the greatest things that we can do. So I want to invite you first to receive Him, and then second, I want to encourage you to go ahead and serve Him after you've received Him. So if you feel led, I want to I want to ask you to say a prayer with me. And you repeat after me if you want to receive the Lord as your Father and your Savior. So repeat after me, dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. I ask, Lord, that you would receive me, Lord. You would receive me as your child, Lord, as I receive you as my Father. And Lord, that you would have me when my time is up. And Lord, that I would walk with you all the days of my life. And Lord, I ask of you, Lord, to, to take me now, Lord, as I receive you in my heart, that you would receive me as well, Lord. 
is I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for being that sin covering Lord. I believe, Lord, that you are that sin covering. And I believe that you came and died. And I believe that you want me, Lord. So, Lord, I love you and I praise you. And I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior and my Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, this is always, like I say, the best for last. If you have received him, you have received eternal life. And so what we're doing here is, again, just observing his ways. We're growing. We're, we're, we're looking at what to do and what not to do. Because he gives us a way. And so I love what a, a reverend friend of mine said at my church when he, uh, when he heard about what I was doing with a voice in the distance. He said that, wow, he goes, you're actually doing something that most people don't do. Especially when teaching the whole Bible, unfortunately. But it, see, you can do that too one day when God calls you, or if God calls you for that. And who knows what he's going to call you for. He, it could be any little thing, but take it and run with it, because it is the greatest gift. So run with it to the fullest. Run with it with joy. Run with it with, with honor. And may you do it for him with all of your best. But I want to congratulate you if you've received him now because you've just set yourself for eternity with him. God bless you.